Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Horacio Barakat, Head of Digital Innovation for Capital Markets at Broadridge. Horacio, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Greg. So to get things started, we're going to be talking about distributed ledger technology here a little bit. But can you start with just an introduction of yourself and your background to give people some idea of where you're coming from? Absolutely. Uh, So as you said, I run uh, digital innovation uh, for our couple of markets business unit uh, within Broadridge. Uh, and um, and one of the most part, what I do basically is look into how do we take new technologies uh, and apply them uh, to basically change market infrastructure to basically uh, provide benefits to our clients, to the industry as a whole. And, and as one of the key technologies uh, that I've been that I've been focusing on since probably 2016 uh, has been uh, distributed ledger technology. Also, I know thinking about AI and others, but uh, distributed ledger technology has been has been a good area of success for us. So uh, looking at you know, how do we change market infrastructure in general with new technology? Yeah, no, really interesting. And obviously, it's not hard to imagine why DLT is something that has been kind of at the forefront of your thinking. Um, before we jump in into too much detail, let's start by just setting the definition, because I think not everyone is exactly on the same page about what exactly distributed ledger technology is. How do you define that phrase, distributed ledger technology? The best way to define distributed ledger technology is to basically break down uh, between its uh, its core components, right? If you think about the technology in in its simplest terms, it is basically uh, number one would be uh, the smart contract functionality, which is the ability to mutualize workflow and agree on disagree on terms of transactions. And number two is uh, it is tokenization, basically representing. Uh, real life or uh, assets or securities uh, into in uh, in digital form, right? So if you combine those two key functionalities, that is what you mean by distributed ledger technology. And I'll give an example as to I know what how, how each component works. So if you think about smart contracts, basically the automation and mutualization of interactions between counterparties. So you're buying something, you're selling something, you're borrowing, you're lending, right? That all those type of transactions can be can be coded into a smart contract to automate a lot of the interaction between the counterparties, and most importantly, you're synchronizing the workflow and the activities between the counterparties. Obviously, that smart contract needs to have something to you know to transact on, and that is where tokenization or digital representation of securities or collateral comes into place. Right, it's basically taking something that is sitting. In, you know, in in the real world and basically representing it on a distributed basis amongst the counterparties. So then the counterparties can actually transact on those digital representations or tokens by acting on smart contract. So those are the two components of distributed ledger technology you know, for the technology itself. Yeah, no, really interesting. A couple of words that were just absent from your description there. One was blockchain and one was cryptocurrency. Um, you know, and I think this is one of those things where a lot of people in their minds kind of equate these these two ideas that you know DLT is necessarily cryptocurrency. Um, how do you respond when somebody has that kind of conception about the technology? I would I, I would say that uh, you know cryptocurrencies, uh, you know Bitcoin or other, speak of the biggest example, uh, are just one 
use case uh, for the technology, right? If you think about what Bitcoin is, it's basically the combination of smart contract technology, you know, counterparties transacting between each other and actually having having acting on a token. That token happens to be uh, a native token that is that doesn't exist in real life, that exists just on this you know, distributed ledger environment, but it's a token nonetheless, right? So it is just one use case of the technology, but the technology can be used in many, many other ways and it goes much deeper than that. So now yeah. you know, cryptocurrencies have, you know, have a value that could be a good investment or not, but they're, they're just one use case of that technology. Yeah, no, and I think this has been something where a lot of people who have been maybe resistant to embrace uh, distributed ledger technology have used this as kind of an excuse. Well, we don't want to be active in the crypto space. I don't think there's a future for it. And really separating those uh, in, in people's minds, I think is absolutely key. So let's dive into a little bit, you know, some of the work that you've been able to do at Broadridge. Um, talk to me about the digital ledger repo solution that you implemented. What were some of your key learnings? And well, for, first, let's start with how exactly uh, that came to be and then get into some of the learnings that you were able to discover. Yeah. So, so the distributed ledger repo platform uh, that Broadridge developed, uh, it is, I would say, one of the most successful uh, institutional scale deployment uh, of the technology. And basically what it does, you know, its objective is to uh, is to change, transform market infrastructure of the repo markets uh, for the better. So for, for your audience, Greg, that may not know uh, what, a, what a repo transaction is, basically you got to think about it as a, uh, as a lending and borrowing transaction. One counterparty borrows cash uh, and the other, you know, and, and the borrowing entity basically puts securities as collateral. So basically in that transaction, cash goes one way and collateral goes the other way. And these transactions have the length of maybe a couple of hours, you know, one day, three days. So at the end of the transaction, that transaction reverses it, it, itself. So cash goes the original way and collateral returns to the owner. Um, so as you can imagine, the the complexity uh, of of that transaction it is it is huge and not only the complexity but actually the volumes of that transactions globally is gigantic. You think about ten trillion of repo transactions outstanding every day. Uh, it can it can give a sense of the complexity of the market uh, with you know hundreds of counterparties uh, interacting with each other uh, and their agents uh, for for one critical piece uh, of the infrastructure, which is which is borrowing and lending money, right? So what the technology is very, you know, it, it is a perfect fit for this market because it basically mutualizes uh, the, the workflow and the activities of the counterparties via the smart contracts, which actually brings significant efficiency to the market, you know, reducing registered reconciliations, uh, eliminating fails, uh, making sure that there's that the counterparties are using a common data model, uh, common infrastructure, so making them always to be in sync. Uh, and then once you think about the digital representation of the collateral or the uh, or the tokenization of the collateral, basically what you're achieving is you are you're providing velocity to that uh, to the to those securities and that collateral because counterparties are are using the smart contracts and the automation of that of those smart contracts to actually move cash and collateral between themselves much more efficiently. Yeah, well, certainly you can imagine how much easier it gets when you've got something that kind of automatically takes care of some of those transactional elements to it. Um, and again, here's where this value uh, really starts to, to show itself. 
Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the other initiatives or other spaces that you're looking at in, in the capital markets arena. You know, wh- where else do you think DLT can can really add value in that space? Yeah, I think that the, the technology, as I said, it has been already deployed at institutional scale, right? It it has been deployed in in, in many use cases. DLT repo, it is it is just it is just a significant one, but one of the many platforms that that are distributed ledger based that are live on, you know, in the industry. And I believe that you know once people start start seeing more of this and actually get more much more comfortable with the technology that can, that can actually significantly change market infrastructure at scale. Uh, if we think about the couple of markets and how you increase uh, velocity of the transactions, how do how do we how, how do you reduce the settlement cycles that currently we are moving? You know, the U.S. is moving uh, into a T uh, a T plus one settlement cycle. Right, the technology can actually significantly accelerate that and actually take it even further. Uh, thinking about settlement cycles that are not only real time settlement but actually creating settlement cycles that are flexible to whatever the counterparties want or need, not just tied to, okay, it has to be T1 or it has to be T plus five hours, right? The flexibility that it's gonna, that the technology provides can actually provide an acceleration uh, from, from that T plus one that is going to happen in, in 2024 to actually T real time or T flexible, right? That hopefully we can get there you know, just in a couple of years by leveraging technologies that is like this related technology. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things here is obviously there, there's some really key benefits that you're highlighting here. And I think there are probably a lot of people who are listening to this thinking to themselves, you know, that sounds great, but uh, I'm not prepared to get into the space or I don't know enough to really take advantage of this. What advice do you have for individuals or companies who are trying to decide whether or not they should be looking into DLT more deeply or, or maybe how they can potentially get started if it's something that they're not currently experts in, they don't necessarily have a lot of uh, experience in? Well, I would say that the the technology is, you know, is here uh, and is here to stay, right? So the key focus areas uh, for people thinking about the technologies, finding uh, finding the where, which is very important, and actually, even more importantly, is the how, right, which is probably the most difficult thing to tackle. So on the, on the where is just the technology can bring significant efficiencies uh, to actually complex, uh, highly complex processes or interactions between counterparties uh, and actually bring in uh, and bringing counterparties together in a synchronized way, right? So there are areas like securities lending, like equities, uh, equity settlement, fixed income settlement, right? There's uh, foreign exchange. There are many, many areas within the financial services market that that could be could benefit significantly as 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 does the uh, you know the repo market benefiting from this technology, right? Uh, so there's many areas to focus on. The key question is how, right? And the complexity of the how is, it is it's, it's very difficult to introduce change uh, in the couple markets and the financial services in general. The, the industry is very risk averse for the right reasons. Uh, it is highly regulated. So introducing change in a way that actually provides immediate immediate benefits uh, know, to, the, you know, to the industry. And at the same time, it is, it is a technology that can be easily implemented uh, by reducing the risk of change, uh, 
that is the most difficult piece. So my you know, how, how we did it and my, my, my recommendation would be to start in an area that has immediate benefits, but is in a way self-contained that you can actually implement it with lower risk. And then the compounding effects and moving into adjacencies to whatever you started, then it's going to create the big transformation that we are looking for. Like one, it might not feel like significant changes. It would, it might feel marginal, you know, within the, in the next month, six months, a year. But once you look back six, five years from now, then you realize that you basically have been changing market infrastructure. Yeah. No. One, one other piece that I wanted to follow up on here is I think that sometimes there's a perception that exploring this space necessarily involves a lot of risk. Um, can you speak to that and kind of some of the potential risks that you have to take to get involved, how big and how real those risks are versus how uh, highly people might perceive those risks to be? I would say uh, the best way to to reduce to reduce the risk uh, of implementation of this technology, it is to work within the existing regulatory framework, right? So if you, you know if you find ways, uh, for the technology to be implemented within, you know, within the current frameworks, you know, or operating frameworks, and actually leveraging existing market infrastructure and make it interoperable with existing market infrastructure, uh, those are the things that significantly reduce risks and make it, you know, even making it, you know, de minimis. Right. Once you start thinking about, you need regulatory change. You need, you know. Uh, and you need other other things to go your way to, to to implement it. That is when the risk basically increases exponentially. That doesn't mean that over time, uh, as the technology that is implemented within regulatory frameworks will not force or actually open the eyes of oh, if we can now we can we can actually change the regular the regulatory framework or update it in a way that will happen probably in normal course of business. But starting today, working within existing frameworks, it is. It is the best way to to reduce the risk and actually, you know, make it the minimum or the same as any other technology change. Yeah, and I think that last piece is key. Like ultimately, there's going to be risk associated with any new piece of technology, but there's no real reason to suspect that DLT is going to carry more risk than any of the other places where banks or other financial institutions are currently upgrading their tech stacks overall. So it's kind of a, another part of this overall digital acceleration, digital adoption piece. Um, last question for you. Where do you think distributed ledger technology will have the biggest impact over the next 10 years? Are there particular processes or types of companies that seem like they're really ripe for disruption or places where you can see there's likely to be a big impact? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and uh, I think there's there's basically two key big areas, right, uh, that I believe are, are, are going to be significantly and positively impacted by the technology. Number one, I talked about it a little bit. That is basically the settlement cycles, right? Moving very quickly and accelerating the move of the industry, not only in the U.S. but globally, uh, from you know from where we are today, T2, and where we will be in 2024, T1. I think real-time settlement as a, as a possibility for kind of parties that actually want it, need it, and can actually do it. Uh, the technology it is a perfect fit for that, and 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 I think it's that the technology is going to allow for that to even be, you know, to be accelerated. Um, number two, I think, and this is this is something that I'm <laughs> uh, that I feel very passionate about. It is basically cross-border transactions across jurisdiction, particularly um, transactions or or you know transactions that can happen in in very different time zones, right? So let's say 
a, a counterparty in Singapore, right? Uh, when needing to borrow cash or actually put collateral to work, right? Uh, in, in, in Singapore with a counterparty that sits in the US, right? So the ability to have the technology follow the sun and actually make that transaction happen between, between a Singaporean institution uh, and, and, and a US bank, right? Where, where the collateral is sitting in the US, not in use or actually cash overnight, right? Creating that the potential for those for that transaction to happen and break down uh, the time zone barriers, I think the technology will be able to accomplish that. It, it won't happen today, but I think we are starting to see even in our platform we're starting to see the, how that could actually happen, uh, and that is basically talking about velocity uh, of capital, velocity of securities. Uh, that is what the technology is all about. Yeah, no, really interesting stuff. And obviously quite a bit still to come. And I think you've highlighted some really interesting areas. Hopefully this conversation has also helped make the technology as a whole seem more accessible and a little bit easier to implement. I know there is still sometimes a mystique around it, but there's so much potential value that can come from distributed ledger technology. And we're really just now scratching the surface. It's one of those things where I'm sure there are a lot of creative people out there who will be able to take this technology and run with it and do really cool and amazing things. So, um, but we're going to end the interview there. Horacio, thank you again for taking the time to chat with this really interesting conversation. Thank you very much, Greg. Thanks for having me. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.